0: Welcome to the at Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3 this morning. Jonah chapter 3. Well, every year, my wife and I try to take at least a night away on our uh, anniversary to get away a little while. Um, In 2020, uh, our daughter was born just a few weeks before our anniversary. And so I was told, apparently, you can't leave a newborn at home by themselves. I was told that got rid of our anniversary trip that year. And then COVID hit, so that doubly got rid of it. So in 2021, we took a bigger trip than we normally would have for our anniversary. And we decided for just a few days to go to Nashville and experience Nashville. We went to the Country Music Hall. Hall of Fame, which was really cool. We went to the Hermitage, which is Andrew Jackson's uh, uh, place where he lived, his plantation. And if you know me, I'm a history nerd, so I'm like geeking out. And Jessica's like, well, that's a pretty flower. But anyway, it, it was really awesome. Well, we went there and we, we left later in the evening and we drove there and got to Nashville about eight o'clock. We hadn't ate yet. And so we walked in the restaurant and we were eating. And while we were in there, a storm hit. You know, those storms that just, they come out of nowhere. Like you're just kind of sitting there and all of a sudden the rain just hits and the wind starts blowing. It was one of those storms. And so we left the restaurant and through the rain, we drove to the hotel. And as we were in the parking, tar- parking lot of the hotel, the tornado sirens went off. It was a huge moment of like, what do we do? And we walked in and we, we, we're smart. We're from, we're from Arkansas. We're from Tornado Alley. We've, we've all seen some Naders, right? Some of you have stood on the front porch and watched them go by. Yeah, don't lie to me. We've, we've all done it. So we, Jessica and I, we're not in a panic. We live in Tornado Alley. We know that what you're supposed to do at this moment is go in, we're going to get checked in. We're going to patiently walk up to a room and turn on the TV and just kind of kind of keep an eye on things and then go about our night normally. That's kind of how we handle tornadoes. I thought it was so weird the way that people from the north responded. Because of our experience, we were like, oh, this is this is a big deal, but it's not a huge deal. People from the north were freaking out. We couldn't even get checked in. They were coming down there and they were grabbing the receptionist or the host or whatever she was and they're like, hey, hey, what do, what do we do? What do we do? And the receptionist was annoyed. she's was like, uh, just stay in the lobby. We don't have a tornado tornadoes. We don't have a tornado shelter here in this hotel. It ended up all the tornadoes, although they were very bad that night. They were much more dangerous than I had expected. They'd already passed us and went east of us. But I still think about those people that were coming down in the sheer panic on those people's face as they were kind of experiencing for the first time the night of the tornadoes, the tornado sirens, the the, the questions of what do we do. And it reminds me of this is that when a warning comes, when, when there is a warning about danger, what this does is it elicits a reaction from us when you are warned about something if you're let me take that back if you're smart when you're warned about something you take that warning to heart what we're going to see today in Jonah chapter 3 is exactly that. God is going to give Nineveh a warning. And it's going to elicit this reaction from them, this, this change in how they do life. And the reason I want to focus on this this morning is I think it echoes a warning to us as well. If the people of Nineveh can hear a warning from God and respond to it, how much more should we, as followers of Christ, or if you're here, you're at least curious about following Christ, how much more should we hear the warnings of Scripture and have the correct Reaction to that. So, as we go into this, let me just give you a little bit of background. We're in a s- series called Fish Grace. We're looking through the book of Jonah. Now, most of you grew up and you know the story of Jonah, right? <clears throat> God tells Jonah to go somewhere. Jonah says, I don't want to go there. He runs away. God causes this huge storm to come up on him, and these people who were just so friendly on the boat he was on throw him overboard to drown in hopes of making God happy. But God wasn't done with Jonah. He had a plan for him, so he sends this giant fish to swallow him, and for three days, Jonah is in the belly of this fish, and then the fish spits him out on dry land only after he repents. You probably know that story. I want you to know Said this a few weeks ago. We believe that story to be absolute truth. That's not a parable. That's not a cool story. Like, we believe Jonah was a literal, physical human being who disobeyed God and God did the impossible, which is what God loves to do. Now, within that story, you probably know the facts of the story, but there's this undercurrent, this thing that pushes the story, which is Jonah's rebellion against God. God's grace on Jonah, and then Jonah coming to repentance. So the last time we saw Jonah two weeks ago, we talked about Jonah's heart of repentance as he was delivered from the fish. That's where we're at this morning. If you've got your Bibles open, read with me the first three verses of chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back to this. So this story completely put together is a story of how grace and repentance go together. And what we're going to see with this first three verses here is there is a huge symmetry to the very first three verses of the book, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And we see a difference in how Jonah responds as he sees God's grace. So let me just explain to you, let me read it to you so you can see what I'm talking about. This is chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, and then he gives the order. Chapter three, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, so Jonah is a prophet. He's what I would call a spiritual mailman. God gives him a message. He's to deliver this message. That's what we see in both of those verses. Chapter one, verse two. Listen to the difference. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Chapter three, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. God's calling for Jonah has not changed, even though Jonah has been through this ordeal of being swallowed by the whale. We see the difference in Jonah in the third verse of each chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three day journey in extent. So what we see is the first time that Jonah gets this message, the first time that God comes to Jonah, Jonah immediately rejects God. He rebels against God. I'm not going to do it your way, I'm going to do it my way. But Jonah gets a second chance and the second chance, what God calls Jonah to do is exactly the same as what he calls Jonah to do the first time. But this time, instead of running from the mission, Jonah runs to the mission a couple of things that I want to notice about the character of God here on your take home truths number 1a is that God gives second chances God gives second chances I hope you're thankful for that this morning because if you're here and you're a human being and you're anything like me you don't need a second chance you don't need a third chance you need a 380 second chance and that's the God that we worship God gives second chances. Even when we rebel against him, even when we purposely do exactly what he told us not to do, God gives second chances. Here we see the grace that God extends to Jonah. Jonah was given an opportunity to change his mind. Jonah had this opportunity to obey God. He rejected him. He ran from him. And me as a human being, if I was to take just my knowledge of what I know about the world without the word of God, if I heard that story, my expectation would be, okay, God's done with that. You got a chance to do it right. You messed up and now you pay the consequences, Jonah. God, God doesn't want people who are gonna fight him. You've lost your place in God's love. But if we take what the scripture tells us, the reality is that God still has a plan for Jonah. Listen, grace is not just God forgiving you for your sin. Grace is not just God loving you no matter what you do. Grace means that we begin again we get to come to this place we get to worship a god no matter what we've done this week no matter how many times we failed god even if we meant to do it god gives us the opportunity because of his grace begin again today is a new day the Bible says that, that every morning God has new mercies for his people. And I just want to say this as we continue on. It's going to get deeper in a few minutes. But some of us walked in here and we're carrying some failure. Maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was last year, maybe it was several years ago. And we just can't, we define ourselves by our failures and we think God just kind of tolerates me. But what the scripture teaches is God says, Yesterday is gone, begin again, start new i'm not advocating getting rid of scripture but if you were to get rid of jonah chapters one and two chapters three and four would be a story by themselves it's a complete beginning of a new story it's a complete difference as god allows jonah the second chance god allows you and i that second chance that third chance as well now with that, and I hope that's comforting to you, I also want to point out this about God, point B on your take home truth, God doesn't change his mind. God does not change his mind. God protects Jonah, he, he keeps him, he has plans for him, but notice this, God's expectations for Jonah are still the exact same as they were for before the the delivering of the message that god had for jonah he required him to do it at the beginning of the story jonah goes through this rebellion jonah is punished jonah is delivered from that and then god says okay now let's try it my way we tried it your way let's try it mine he didn't say you go you go do you you know it's okay god still comes back to the same expectations now one of the things that we often get wrong with grace is because we like to live in grace grace is wonderful but sometimes we get over a little too far into sloppy grace, and we believe that grace means that God just wants me to do whatever I want to do. God, God just loves me enough that all he really cares about is my happiness. And let me tell you, God cares about your happiness, but it is a far second thought away from your holiness. God's desire for us is to be holy, which is the only place where we experience true happiness, so God doesn't change his standards based on what we've done. He loves us through our rejection and our rebellion of him. But his standards for us and his expectations for us and his commands for us never change. The scripture says he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So while we want to experience God's grace and we want to live in his grace and we want to take that grace and know how it's applied to us, we can't water down his grace. Because as he approaches Jonah, he gives him the same standard: go. To, or go to Nineveh and deliver a message. Now the only two differences in chapter one and chapter three, those first few verses that begin the story and that re-begin the story is not what God did differently. The only difference is Jonah's reaction. And the first of it, Jonah, Jonah runs away from God But the second time, Jonah runs to God. Grace is the same. Listen, expectations don't change in the story from God. Jonah's willingness to follow them changes. And this is where we get the word repentance. Repentance is when we come to God and we say, Forget my way, God. I want to do it your way. I want to follow you. And we see a clear example of that. Jonah receives the same instruction the first time I'm going as far away from that place as I can. But after coming to repentance, when his heart changes, he says, yes, God, I'll go where you call me. So as we look at this, we want to define this morning, we want to define what repentance is. We've talked a lot about what repentance is not. Here's what we want to do. We want to give a definition to it. And I don't like math, but I also know other people don't like math. So that makes me think it's fun to make you do math. So we're going to do a math equation this morning, okay? Yeah, I love the excitement from you guys. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Here's the math equation. Your next take home truth. It's one of those ones with words and letters in it. Here's the equation for repentance. Repentance is a change of heart and a change of actions. A change of heart and a change of actions. Now, sometimes we believe that repentance is just a change of heart. As long as I feel bad for what I did, that's repentance. You're only halfway there. On other cha- on other hand, sometimes we think that repentance is just a change of actions. If I just make myself better, that's repentance. That's not repentance. That's religion and not the good kind. True religion. I'm sorry. True repentance is when something happens in our heart that we have a change of heart about how we live that changes our actions. We see this in Jonah. Jonah then goes to Nineveh. Now at this point, we're gonna pause on Jonah. And we're gonna come back to him next week and we're gonna talk about all the other problems that this individual has. I love the Bible. It's like, let me tell you everything wrong with this individual and how God still loved him. We're gonna pause on Jonah because for the rest of chapter three, we see Jonah go, and the scripture shifts the focus to Jonah delivering the message and the effect of that message. So we're now gonna focus on the city of Nineveh. If you still got your Bibles open, this is verse four. Jonah is now going on the city, verse four, or going to the city verse 4 and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk then he cried out and said yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown so here's the message that that Jonah has to bring to this city is that God is going to destroy this city in 40 days he brings this warning God's wrath is on you because of your sin because of the way that you have rejected him, because of what you've done, God is angry and God will deal justly with you because of your sin. And this is where sometimes it gets a little bit hard to understand. Because we just spent the first like two chapters of Jonah talking about how God is grace and God has love and God has mercy and he's patient. And that is all 100% true. But you get here to where Jonah's going to Nineveh and suddenly we see god being angry and god full of wrath and god promising destruction upon an entire city of people because of their sin and sometimes we get god confused as being one or the other like we come to church and like we have to pick which god we want to talk about do we want to talk about the the god of grace today or do we want to talk about the angry god who hates sin And in truth, our understanding is so incomplete because God is a mixture of those two things. God cannot be a God of grace and mercy if He is not also a God of wrath. You cannot have one without the other. It's a little bit like this. I I didn't bring one with me, but it's kind of like a quarter. A quarter is is a coin and it has two sides to it. We, we, We use those heads and tails. We use them to make decisions. But because those two sides are completely opposite of each other in our culture, in our society, that represents perfect balance and perfect harmony because you can flip that and make a decision. I'm not saying God is a, is a God who leaves things up to chance that we can flip a coin and decide which God we're getting. What I'm saying is that both sides of God or both aspects of God's nature, that he is both a wrathful God against sin and a loving God for sinners. Those two things work together and it makes the perfection and the holiness and the balance of who he is. So our third take-home truth, when we look at what the story is teaching us, number three is sin brings God's judgment. Sin brings God's judgment. So this declaration shows both sides of God. Jonah walks into the city and he says, God will destroy this city for its sin. There's God's wrath. But if you didn't look closely, you may have missed God's mercy. Because God's mercy in here is that there's a time limit set. What does he say to them? You got 40 days. You got 40 days. And we have to ask ourselves, why is that the message that God sent to Nineveh? Why did God send a message at all? Why didn't God, if God is so angry and so full of wrath of their sin, why didn't God just go ahead and destroy them? Why did He wait for Jonah to go through this ordeal, to be on a ship, to run away from Him, to be swallowed by fish and spit out, and then travel to Nineveh and then give them forty days? If He's full of wrath, it's because even in wrath, you see His mercy. God wasn't giving them time to to freak out and, and be miserable. God is giving them mercy and giving them an opportunity to change. God is giving these people an opportunity to understand that our sin is bringing God's wrath upon us. And it gives them an opportunity to identify what the problem is and to turn away from that sin. Why would God do that? It's because God's deepest desire is not to punish people. God's deepest desire is that people will run away from the world and run back to him. And so he will at times use the threat of his destruction, the promise of his wrath to give people a reason, to give people a warning, a thing to understand, you need to change now. 1 Peter 3.9 says this. It says, He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And sometimes in the Bible, God will pronounce a judgment on people, a judgment that he is fully capable and that he will carry out, but his desire is not to carry out the judgment. It's that the threat of that judgment will get people's attention and they will change. Let's bring this to us for just a second. This is, this is the gospel as we know it. The gospel as we know it begins with a solid truth, is that there is a God who is holy and righteous, who cannot stand sin, and that we as sinners are separated from him. If you have any gospel that does not start with that, and it just goes to Jesus is cuddly and loves you without talking about how you are a sinner, it is not the gospel. And so because of this, what the Bible tells us is because of our sin, because of my sin, that I am doomed to spend eternity away from God, away from every aspect of his goodness in a place of torment. We call it hell. That's the beginning of the gospel. And that understanding of the under, of the consequences of my sin is what moves me to be be excited, to be ready to accept God's grace and his salvation. When I understand that there are penalties and consequences for my sin, that's my warning for me to move there. Does that mean that God wants to send anybody to hell? The Bible just told us God wants to send nobody to hell. His will is that everybody repents and comes to him, but he still tells us if you do not, here's the consequence because he wants that to move us towards him to move towards him in faith and repentance. So there's a parallel here that this is the story of Nineveh, but it's also our story at Ramsey Heights. Let's continue reading. Let's look at the reaction from Nineveh. So Jonah finally walks into the city. He's walking through the city. He's yelling, in 40 days, God is going to destroy the city. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Everybody say believed. Believed. Proclaimed a fast and put on a sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? We've got one more verse we're going to come back to. So let's look at Nineveh's reaction on your take home truths, number 4a. The first thing that Nineveh did is they believed God in verse 5. Believed God in verse 5. If you spend a lot of time in church, you'll hear a lot of talk. Put, or you'll hear a lot of time that we talk about the words faith and belief. And those two words in a church context are the exact same thing. What they really mean is that we have come to a place where we realize there is a holy God who has wrath against sin. We quote as church people the first Bible verse that we teach kids that they usually remember is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life and so we say this all you must do for salvation all you must do to become a child of God is believe in him put your faith in him and what that means is that we come to a place where we realize who he is and what he has done and we realize who we are in relation to that as sinners and we turn to God and ask him for that Nineveh believes God. Nineveh has faith. Now let's put this in just a second. Let's put this in historical context. You and I come to this story with our understanding of the Bible, with the understanding of God. And here's our understanding is that there is one true God who created everything. Any other quote unquote little g God is a made up figment of human imagination. That's the understanding you and I are reading this story with. So we're like, absolutely. Like, okay, they should know that God is angry with them. But for the city of Nineveh, they did not have that understanding. We are correct in our understanding, but Nineveh didn't have that. Nineveh was part of the Assyrian Empire. This time it was the biggest city in the world of the biggest empire of the world. And they would have believed in many gods. If they had any concept of the one true God, if they had any concept of Yahweh, they would have just known him as the God of the Israelites. He would have been insignificant to them. He's just another God in a list of gods. And so what we have is is here comes this Israelite, and he's saying, listen, my God is going to destroy you. For the most part, that message would not be received in pretty much any town, anywhere. That'd be the equivalent of somebody from India, part of the Hindu religion, coming to New York City today, walking up and down the streets of New York City and saying whatever Hindu God is about to destroy this city. We'd all think he was crazy. You see that on the news like, oh, there's another nut job in New York City. Who would have thought that? But something happens in Nineveh. They believe God. They believe not only that he exists, but they believe that he is great enough that he has the power to destroy their city. And so because of that, point B, Nineveh's reaction to God declaring his wrath is that they feared God. That they feared God. Belief will move us to fear. Not fears and trembling in my boots, but a healthy respect of who God is and his holiness and a fear of his holiness. And because of that, we see this this change in heart in them. It lists several things that they did. And they sound really weird, like they wear sackcloth and they're sitting in ashes. And I was like, what would you do on Saturday night? And actually, that sounds that sounds more pleasant than watching a Razorback football game. Uh, you know, it's coming. Every week, I give up. I don't even care anymore. Like, those are international signs at this time. Those are signs of warning. It's the equivalent, it's the equivalent of in our society when somebody we love passes away that we wear black to show this, this color of mourning and sadness. And so ashes and sackcloth and fasting, these are symbols that the people of Nineveh are doing that show that they are sad for their sin, they are mourning, they are in fear of what's about to happen. And when we come to a place where we learn, I am a sinner and this is the punishment for sin, it should change us the way it changed Nineveh. The third thing that we see as they believe God and they feared God, point C, is they turned from their sin in verse eight. What was that equation I said earlier? You guys didn't know there'd be a test, did you? Is that repentance is a change of heart plus a change of action we see the people of Nineveh go through this there's a change of heart I no longer want to to sin against this God because I fear him and because of that when their heart changes their actions change too we see the king declares this is that collectively because of this threat of God's judgment he says if sin causes this we have to change we have to turn from our sin and his hope was that God would relent in this so here's the truth If a human being, if you and me, let's bring it personal, let's get real for a second. If we truly believe in who God says he is, and we believe what he says is true about his wrath against sin, if we truly believe that, it will change us. And here's my biggest fear, and really the biggest thing that I wanted to drive home through this. Here's my biggest fear, is that there are many people sitting in churches, there's probably some of us sitting here this morning, who will claim that we have salvation because of our belief in God. But if you look at our lives, our lives say that we have no belief because there's been no change of heart and no change of actions. We come to a church and we develop this concept of, of church attendance. We memorize, a, uh, we memorize a few Bible verses. We, we do a few things that that make us Christian and then we act differently. But at the base of who we are within our heart, there is no change of our heart And there is no change of our actions. And I'm not here to judge this morning. It's not my job to like, here's the list of who I think. I don't have that. But it's my biggest fear when I see people who claim to be followers of Christ. And there's no mark of Christ on their life. Because what that tells me is they think they believe. But they actually don't. So I wanted to give you just a couple things to look for as we go in this. And I want you to assess yourself. I'm not going to assess you, but I want, to assess, I want you to assess yourself. Am I the kind of person who really believes and fears God and has had a change of heart and a change of actions? Or am I just religious and I've developed some habits that are Christian? One of the things that that you may find yourself is, you may be thinking it now of what I'm saying, and you may, may think it a lot. If your first reaction to somebody challenging your sin is to say, that person is just judgmental, that's a sure sign that you're not taking seriously in your heart the consequences of sin. If you're a different person around church people than you are on Saturday night that that's a sign that something's wrong if you have to put on a show to appear to be like us something's wrong with your belief system you show up to church on sunday morning how are you i'm so blessed god is so good amen hallelujah but you're still hung over from the night before or you're going back to your girlfriend or boyfriend's house after this and that's where you're staying or, or you're just living your whole life full of bitterness and anger if we excuse our sin away from others well it's not really that bad there's much other things that we could do and the last one is if if you read scripture and the only parts of scripture that matter to you are the ones that affirm you the ones that are like god is my shield god is my strength you're like yeah god is my strength but the first time a scripture comes and it challenges you where you're at where it says you should control this or you should walk away from that and you ignore that, those may be signs that you don't actually have a belief that leads to fear, that leads to change. And I'm not telling you that to be judgmental. I'm telling you that because I'm scared for people that I love who claim to know Christ, who do not know Christ. I'm scared for people who go through life thinking one day I've done enough that whatever I've done in my life is enough to make me stand before a holy and perfect God and him let me into his presence when in truth when in truth those people are heading for a judgment with a God who says depart from me I never knew you. That's the scariest verse of the Bible. Jesus himself said, he said, one day many people are going to come to me and they're going to start listing off all their accomplishments. Well, I taught in your name. I cast out demons. I taught Sunday school. I went to church every Sunday. I was a member here for 45 years. And Jesus says, yeah, but you didn't know me. You had a bunch of actions, but you didn't know me. And that's evidenced when we don't see a change in our life. Moving on, the last thing we see, point D, is the, Nineveh, the people of Nineveh, their reaction to this news, is they cried out to God. The king declares that the people will turn from their sin and they will cry out to God. And his hope is that maybe God will relent of what's happening. Maybe God will not do what he has said that he is doing. And in doing this, they are recognizing God's act, they are changing their actions, and they are throwing himself on his mercy. What did we say? Repentance is a change of heart and a change of actions. These people cry out to God knowing that only he can save them. See, here's something interesting is you can't cry out to God in a heart of rebellion. God, save me from the consequences of this sin, but I'm gonna keep doing it. To cry out to God and say, God, please have mercy on my sin is when we come to God with a heart that says, I don't want that sin anymore. And we can cry out to him for his mercy. Now here's here's the feel-good part, because those aren't the feel-good parts for many of us. Listen to verse 10, what happens. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Your last take home truth, number five, is God showers his mercy on those who cry out and repent. God showers his mercy on those who cry out and repent. So God, God sees this, he's looking down, his, his rightful anger and wrath is on this entire city, he's going to destroy it, but when he looks down and he sees people, and they're turning away from their sins, and they're turning to him, and they're crying out in mercy, he says, I'm not going to destroy that. I will not bring my wrath down on them at this moment. And listen, for you and me, if our musicians want to start coming up here, for you and me, what we see here, understand Nineveh did not earn God's, uh, uh, did not earn his favor. They did not appease him. They were not good for him or good enough for him. What we see is an exercise in grace that when God sees people who run to him, when God sees people who runs to him, he opens his arm and he says, forget about everything you've ever done. So this morning as we enter our response time, I've I've got a few different challenges for us because we're in different places in this room. The first one may be there's some of you that are here and you truly need for the first time to repent and come to Christ. You truly need to accept salvation. Here's what the Bible says about that. It says, God will not let your sin go unpunished. It is inescapable. He will punish it. But what he has already done is he has punished his son in your place. Jesus paid the price for what you have done. And all we have to do is believe God and repent and turn to him and we become his children in an instant. It's that simple. And if you're sitting here this morning and you've never done that, or you feel like maybe you thought you did that, today can be the day. It's as simple as just choosing to reach out and accept God's faith. There's nothing else to it. You may be here today and maybe you can look into your life and say, Yeah, I claim to be a follower of Christ, but my actions don't say it. My mouth says I'm a follower of Christ, but my actions don't. Today is a day that you can repent of that. And lastly, For all of us that are here, we are so imperfect. Each and every person in this room, listen, the people sitting in front of you and behind you, we all have that one little sin that we dive into again and again. And some of us fight that, but if we're being honest, sometimes we harbor it and excuse it. Today can be the day that we have a change of heart about that sin and change that action. This is our response time. This is a time for you to pray. You can pray where you're at. You can pray up here. I'll pray with you. If you want to talk to me about salvation, please do. But whatever you do, do not leave here the same way that you walked in. Let's stand and worship. Thank you for joining us this week at Ramsey Heights. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, feel free to share it with others. If we can help you begin to follow Jesus or grow in your relationship with him, join us on Sundays or connect with us on social media or our website, online.